hello everybody this is uh, bala ramadurai uh, we have the uh, podcast series uh, tris india podcast series this is the second part of the mini podcast series that we started last time with uh, dr ellen dom um and i have uh, ellen and uh, murli uh, on on the podcast today and maybe prakash will join in a little later um uh, say over to ellen ellen say hi hello i'm happy to be back with everybody okay uh, murli Hi, uh, good to be back on this uh, podcast series with uh, Ellen. It's uh, it's a pride. Uh, okay, uh, so the just a brief recap. Last time we started off on what in the world is trees, um, and uh, we had an overview of trees. Uh, what is so special about trees that uh, the current problem solving uh, tools have and don't have? Uh, we touched upon that and a little bit on what a beginner a absolute beginner to trees should start uh, with uh, when learning trees so today we are going to continue the discussion uh, with uh, uh, murli and uh, i uh, sort of pitching in uh, wherever we feel um, so over to ellen uh, the question that i had in mind is that um, i am in an organization where i have uh, we have our own uh, ways of uh, solving problems uh, coming up with ideas um how can trees actually help us uh in in uh, or, you know um, sort of sort of embed if we're already entrenched and embedded in processes and tools uh how how does trees help there or what is your experience in embedding trees into an organization where they already have such a, a tool or process well if they already have a system and they like the system that they have then there's going to be no need for them to use trees so you can't get people to do the work of learning something new unless they are unhappy unsatisfied with what they already have but most of the cases that i have run into what they have are good systems for identifying the problem This includes all of the various parts of Six Sigma. These are excellent tools for figuring out what your problem is, but they frequently are not good tools for getting you to a solution. Um uh, many of the parts of theory of constraints are focused on careful identification of the problem. Many of the tools related to the Kepner-Trigo methods help you find out the problem. So if you can have the people who are using the system tell you what it's good for and they say what it's good for is identifying the problem but it's not so good at helping us figure out what to do about it then that's a natural environment for trees mm-hmm. because trees will really help them find the solutions once they know what the problems are but if they aren't if they are not unhappy with what they have as far as creativity and development of new solutions then they won't want trees. Mhm. Okay. I hope that's not too negative. <laughs> no, not really. Actually in some uh workshop open workshops that we've had um you know some participants walk in 
and uh, we tell them okay take some problem that is really relevant to you and work on it and you will know uh, you will sort of discover the way trees works the first thing that they say is um, i don't have any problems um, i'm fine so then we say okay at least start defining uh, you know what do you do and what are the components in your system and then let's see what you know things that you'd like to improve then they open up uh, so it could be sort of sometimes they they i wouldn't say call it denial but uh, sort of awareness of the problem is a little lower and systematically when you take them through this process then they sort of say oh oh yeah 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 uh, this actually has been a worry for a while um uh, that's been uh, a little bit of my experience on on uh, getting them to speak out um you know what they have in mind so well we may have just done a demonstration of a cultural problem because there are people who if you ask them tell me about your problem they'll say i don't have any problems mm. because they feel that a problem means they've made a mistake they've done something wrong mm-hmm. their company has done something wrong and they certainly don't want to admit that in public but if you say tell me something you want to improve then they don't see that as a problem in other companies the word problem is a perfectly okay word mm-hmm. describing an opportunity for improvement so that might be one thing for people who are talking about trees to be very cautious about use the word problem in the sense of opportunity to improve not problem in the sense of something is bad or broken very interesting so so you're touching upon the cultural aspects so to speak uh, you know of uh, first of nomenclature um, you know that problem opportunity a challenge uh, because sometimes we use the word challenge and people are totally excited saying hey i love challenges i love puzzles i love to solve them and then they are totally opened up and they talk about everything under the sun and then come out with brilliant solutions but when you mention the word problem i'm not going to admit my stuff here uh, that's not for this forum and they sort of back out on that very very interesting uh, point of view right the external consultant is hired 
by executive management in order to work on strategic level problems that they don't even discuss with their mid-level staff inside the company. Uh, in other cases, the external consultant is hired to train the people who will become the internal consultants. And the third, it depends, is I've seen situations where the external consultant is only told about rather trivial problems because even though you sign all kinds of non-disclosure and confidentiality promises and so forth, the company really doesn't want to tell an outsider anything about its real problems. And so they'll use the external consultant for training at a rather abstract level and only have their internal people work on the truly serious and strategic problems. So I've seen it go all three ways. Okay. okay. So the reason why I... Now, you have, you have, what have you seen? No, the reason why I asked that question was that um, internal risk practitioners, um, you know, um, are typically given problems like, uh, can you reduce the cycle time on this? Um, can you maximize the efficiency of this specific, uh, you know, process? Um, while, while there are obviously, you know, um, better methods than this with respect to those type of problems, um, generally speaking, um, the internal practitioners um, don't get those problems that where where there is actually the, the potential of this can be um, used to a maximum extent. You know that's the feeling that that uh, I want to bring forth and see how you um, you know actually have seen it elsewhere. Well, I just came back a few weeks ago from the European Trees Association meeting, and there was a very nice mixture of cases from internal consultants in certain organizations and from external consultants and academic consultants. And I think that I saw quite a few high-level strategic kind of problems from the internal consultants. Uh, but it may be a question of the fact these were organizations where they have been using trees for quite a few years. So the internal consultants have built up uh, quite a bit of authority and credibility in their organizations. Mm. It might have to do with reputation, not internal versus external. Okay. Um, Murli alluded to a point of uh, optimization and how trees cannot uh, actually... So what what... Uh, are the limitations of trees and where can trees apply and where where does it uh, when or the limits of trees stop uh, Ellen any comments on that uh, I, let's hear from Moli first okay uh, no I mean uh, this, this, I feel like the house of quality and you know the 6 sigma uh, you know solutions um, you know operate better with respect to you know optimization type of problems um, you know than than trees itself but trees you know uh, I feel it it, it it breaks those constraints and it, it doesn't operate within those you know constraints or um, contradictions that we as we say it in trees um, it tries to break it and then you know take you away from that problem itself but it doesn't shift or you know just 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 reduce you know it doesn't do do only that 
and that's where I think the power of flip comes out more um, than in optimization, uh, you know, kind of situations. So that's that's the the experience that I have with, with the problems itself. Um, but but yes, it can be applied uh, for optimization. But there are better tools than this for optimization only. Is my um, you know take. Okay. Yeah, actually, my point is would be that uh, um, optimization. Uh, I mean, the, the and is the key word there. Uh, you want uh, to increase revenue at the cost of uh, something else, then you would say, I want to increase revenue and not compromise on on that thing that's holding my my revenue up. So. Uh, I think the key in trace is the and part of it. Um, well, mostly if you're going to work with a very very short term sort of perspective, then uh, uh, trace looks like uh, uh, it's not solving your problems in in the short term perspective. But at a long term perspective, the and part uh, I think is the key in in trace. And I, I keep harping about it to everyone that you know if you want a real breakthrough solution and you want you're looking at a little long term than just today, then uh, you probably look at trees. Um, it's not that it's absolutely ineffective when it comes to today's problem because uh, trees definitely used to solve, a, say, a, a current problem as well. Uh, but I think the uh, the perspective that one has to take in uh, trees is a long term, and uh, that would be my answer to the, the limitations and uh, of trees. I wouldn't say long-term and short-term so much. I would say that if you are making a minor improvement, mm. you can probably okay. do it without trees. If you are making a significant improvement or a breakthrough, then trees will probably accelerate your thinking and show you how to make those big steps. But people get... They make a mistake of thinking long-term versus short-term or expensive versus cheap. And, in fact, one of the things you can use trees for is, uh, particularly we emphasized last time, using resources to solve a problem, mm -hmm. which can give you a very significant major change yep. at very, very low cost. Yep. So... It's a mistake to let people confuse the terms big and small with expensive and inexpensive or long time and short time. Right. I stand corrected. Yep. So it's about the minor improvement versus the uh, sort of long range or long term. In, uh, even, even term there is not good. The big improvements that... Uh, yeah. Uh, okay. And there's nothing wrong with a minor improvement yep. if that's what your product needs and that's what your customer needs. Yep. Uh, eventually, the breakthrough will happen. That what the patterns of evolution tell us is eventually there will be the breakthrough. And it might be a competitor who makes the breakthrough, not you. Mm -hmm. Because we know it's going to happen sooner or later. Yep. Now, this... This takes you back to the first comment, the one about internal consultants working on, um, let's call them improvement projects instead of breakthrough projects. And that can be a uh, feedback kind of situation. If you only work on the uh, optimization and improvement projects, then you never get the opportunity to work on the breakthrough projects mm. because you have to build up the reputation 
both for the consultant and for the tree's methodology that is possible. Okay. Past 
and the far distant past and the immediate future, you know, next week and the five-year future and the 50-year future. Right. So um, I would say use generations rather than years and then apply that to your detailed knowledge of your own industry. Bala, does that match with what you've seen? Because since you've worked in software and uh, electronics, you're in a very fast-moving part of the world. <laughs> yep, certainly. Um, I was going to say that uh, it also depends. One is the industry, of course. So, where you know, a piece of software or even the technology itself is obsolete within a span of three months or so. Um, uh, you know, what is hot technology is already down uh, uh, the obsolete path in a, in a few months. Um, and in fact, when we're talking about problem solving, um, the if the windows that need to be considered are even lesser. So if you're, if you're say, uh, I'm switching from software to say optoelectronics and you have a problem, you're, you're talking microseconds or milliseconds or nanoseconds or femtoseconds. So um, then your nine window or a system operator operates at um, even lesser uh, to figure out the problem. So it, the, the time dimension uh, completely varies uh, with what you're doing. It totally, I mean, I'm, I'm going to re-emphasize uh, re it depends, but uh, here it's uh, industry, the kind of problem you're solving, the kind of technology you are in. So uh, it's absolutely uh, varied. It's absolutely varied and, and totally depends on. But, but the important fact is to identify the time dimension. It is as critical uh, you know, as the problem itself. If you don't get the, the uh, time right, uh, then people uh, you know, fill out uh, these forms as if they were a government form or something and uh, they miss out on uh, the actual problem and how to solve it. Uh, that, that's, that's, been that's very important uh, and this came up both at the European Trees Meeting and at the Ibero-American Trees Meeting in several interesting case studies and I'm particularly interested because uh, my colleague Joe Miller and I did several papers on this about five years ago the importance of doing the function diagram at different times in the life cycle of the system. Mm -hmm. Because if you're talking about certain kinds of machinery, for instance, there might be a storage period where it's not being used, but it could be uh, subject to some kind of decay, then there's the starting period where it's warming up, the parts are moving, perhaps it's not producing anything yet, but it is coming to the right speed, to the right temperature, etc. Then there's the operating phase where you're actually doing the original purpose of the machine, and then there might be a normal maintenance cycle that it goes into. And there are different functions of different subsystems and different parts during mm. each of these phases. Mm. And then there might be a shutting down time as well. And if you don't do six separate diagrams for those six separate phases, right. you might not understand the relationships between what are the useful functions, what are the harmful functions, what are the adequate and inadequate functions, 
in each of those time intervals. Mm. And it can lead to solving the wrong problem wastefully. Mm. And yet most of the textbooks talk about drawing the function diagram. I think the assumption there is that you know which time phase the problem is happening in. And in real life, I find that it's very common that people know that they have a problem, but they don't know which of the time phases it happened in. Mm. Uh, I think Prakash just joined in. Hey, uh, say hello, Prakash. Hi, guys. I'm, I'm sorry. You know, uh, I'm actually still in the past of that because, because the date here is 30, 30 of, you know, November. So it, it popped up in my uh, Gmail calendar as first, and I was ignoring No problem. So what, what are no, your thoughts? Apologize. We'll just make you do all the work. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be glad to do that. Um, Hey, Helen, I've been hearing about the, the uh, examples that you're mentioning. I had a, you know, when you were mentioning about the airplane uh, example on the evolution, uh, this is something that I was just thinking about. Uh, when we talk about uh, in an evolution, there are certain, certain subsystems evolving faster than the, the system and super system. Uh, but when we talk about airplane, we still uh, look at the airplane as a system. But if you look at a lot of the subsystem components in airplane, whether it's the uh, you know uh, old uh, uh, old type or whether it's a Dreamliner or Airbus 380, don't we see a lot of similarities? So in a situation like that, when we identify a problem, how do we differentiate that the system as an airplane itself to, in, in the time frame. For example, if, that, if I put that uh, airplane in the center of the nine windows, uh, I would consider the time frame between past and present and future would be in 10 or 20 years, as you said. But on the subsystem, I do have, you know, in a very, uh, what do you call, the time frame would be much smaller than that. So would you recommend to have two nine windows created for those well, I think you will definitely have multiple nine windows. Uh, one of the patterns of evolution is that the elements of the system uh, improve at different rates. It's sometimes called uneven development of parts. Mm-hmm. And that pattern is referring to situations exactly like the airplane in which, uh, for instance, the engine may reach a, uh, a level of uh, performance where the aerodynamics of the main body of the airplane uh, is not appropriate to that powerful an engine. Well, clearly, if you're dealing with the airplane as a whole entity, what you have to do is stop working on the engine and start working on the shape of the fuselage and the aerodynamics in order to get them even with each other so that they could make the most effective integrated whole system. So it's not a question of how much time. It's a question of having them reach the level where the uh, 
the two subsystems are compatible with each other. And you're not wasting energy by trying to push an inappropriate system through the air. The same thing happens with software and hardware. We had software that was capable of doing the finite element analysis that those airplane guys need to do to measure vibration. We had excellent versions of that software back in the 1980s. I think I'm the only one on this phone call who was working then, but <laughs> while, you, while you were in grade school. <laughs> but the point is, you could only run that software by going to one of five national yeah, computer yeah. labs in the U.S., and I'm not sure what the uh, availability was in other countries. Now, you can run that software on uh, a desktop application. I think you can probably do it on your cell phone. Yep. That's, that's, that's an Android application that you can actually play around with. Right. So, uh, and so any work that was done on making the software more detailed was completely wasted during the years while we were waiting for the hardware to get good enough. Mm. So it's, it's not a question of there being rules where you can say for this kind of trees problem you should have this many nine windows charts or whatever. It's a question of the fact that you really need to have a thorough understanding of your own system. Hmm. And then you make sensible choices about where to spend your time and your energy. Um, Does someone have a better example? Not everybody in our audience may understand finite element analysis. So does someone have another example? Uh, well, I was trying to, you know, uh, just uh, understand this problem in a different way. Because uh, in, in the problem definition, uh, you know, we typically end up in a situation where, uh, you know, our domain is software, our hardware, and we always look at everything around that evolution in that, that dimension. But, you know, uh, the reason I, I, I took this airline example, if, if I'm in an airline domain, I'm trying to understand how I can improve in my, improve the system, uh, in, uh, which is, you know, ultimately what I'm selling is an airplane. Although if it's an airplane, it's my domain, that airline is my domain, as you rightly mentioned, the finite elements would be completely out of airline, you know, because we look at the evolution of that, as you rightly said, uh, which could be something to do with the, the mechanical, something to do with the aerodynamics, something to do with the electronics, and it, all these finite elements would uh, comprise uh, the airplane. So uh, if I'm in the domain, I wouldn't just look at airline or airplane as a whole system, but I would differentiate all the, sub all the system, all the subsystem, as system in a different domain to combine uh, to understand the evolution. So in... Um, you know, I was just trying to, you know, relate this to the retail trend, for example. So the retail as an industry, the trend that we see here, if the trend also happens in electronics, for example, you know, into the uh, new, um, uh, new organic food, you know, all this comprise the trends in the industry. So I, I just wanted to give that example when we look at, if I'm from the retail industry, 
I should not only think about retail industry, but all about, let's say, how the organic foods are produced to, to you know, understand better about my, my industry. And then on the rest of retail shouldn't be thought of just as one big thing either. I'm thinking, for instance, you're talking about uh, organic trends in food. What does that mean to the automobile industry? Because right now, if I asked you to tell me about a luxury automobile, many people would start out talking about the leather upholstery and the polished wooden uh, trim and things like that. But if the people who care about organic foods are going to be buying automobiles, are they going to care about uh, the chemicals that are used to cure leather? Or are they going to be vegetarians who don't want to buy any product that uses leather? Or are they going to be worrying about chopping down the forests of exotic wood? And so we give them a contradiction. They don't want to chop down the exotic wood, but they don't want to use petrochemical-type plastics. Right. Hmm. So from a, from a software perspective, you know, you, you can look at it in, in many different ways. Um, you know, it's a, it's a multi-tiered architecture is, is what, what um, is, is mostly in operation. So if you, if you look at it, the, every website's UI um, and the business rules behind and the database that is behind and the operating system. So as you go uh, lower and lower in, in the um, um, layers, the speed of evolution is actually uh, you know, reducing. So the operating system uh, evolves at a much lower pace than how the front end of your system is changing or that is uh, you know, faster than the way in which the business rules are changing within that website itself. So you could actually see this whole thing in operation just by looking at it. If you look at the technology specifically, for example, the kind of technologies that um, you know we used to develop the UI, um, you know the, the framework that is available, they evolve at a faster pace um, than say the databases. Um, the number of releases, for example, coming out from vendors um, is, is directly, basically, uh, you know, uh, gives gives this uh, you know fact to you. I think that's an excellent example, and simultaneously it's an excellent example of why you need to know your own industry, mm. because you need to know that the, the applications will move fastest because they're almost fashion items, right. and the operating system will move slowest because that's uh, infrastructure enabling technology, and any changes to it will cause hundreds of thousands of downstream changes. So you want to be extremely slow about changing it. One of the techniques that people use to uh, alert themselves to when they should be worried about changes is to create a, uh, a knowledge base of, I'll, I'll call them trigger points. In other words, I don't want to change my operating system. But I should have a list of when these certain things happen, that's a sign that my operating system needs to change. Maybe it's uh, every time 
the uh, Moore's Law density changes by a factor of 8 or by 16, then I'm going to have to change the operating system. Or when the transistor runs four times faster and three times smaller, I need a set of rules that tell me when I should be looking for a change. In other words, what the time scale is. Hmm. Have you seen people doing things like those databases? Actually, we've had cases where, uh, you know, we deliver a piece of software and uh, six months down the line, people come and say, oops, uh, the OS actually has changed, moved from uh, XP to 7 or 7 to 8 or uh, Windows 7 or Windows 8. And now, can you upward compatible, uh, you know, make it make your software upward, compa- upward compatible? And so, since we didn't see the trend coming, we have to sit down and uh, figure out how to make this upward compatible. Um, and that's, the, you know, that's a warning sign telling you that, you know, OS is evolving and your software hasn't matched up to that. So uh, that's one sign we've definitely seen that we need to have these trigger points and uh, be very wary of what is going on outside of our our world. Um, uh, that's that's one indication. And you'll see that in some of the patterns of evolution uh, textbooks, they talk about why did the jump take place. You know, it's not just that. Things get large things get smaller and smaller and smaller and eventually get replaced by a field. There's a reason for each jump. Mm-hmm. And so putting the reasons for the jump into the terms that are particularly appropriate for your technology can be a very good way to spot those, opportun- let's call them opportunities rather than problems, because if you do them first, They've created opportunities for you. Mm-hmm. Actually, um, you know, I want to emphasize this because it is really an opportunity. Um, if you look at our industry only, uh, as as Bala mentioned, um, just the re-platforming or um, you know for a specific you know release of a software or migration from one platform to another or developing software that have compatibilities with different versions of the browser, for example, um, these. These only, these, these opportunities, and, and we deliver these services to our customers, um, actually accounts for more than, you know, one-fifth of the revenue itself, you know. Just, just the replatforming of it and then looking at trends and, you know, making sure it's compatible across. That's almost like 20%. So you're saying that it's good that people don't see, some uh, people who don't see the trends are actually looking at others uh, to sort of pitch in and uh, fill up for these gaps. So... Uh, the service providers, uh, uh, you know, uh, have these service offerings because the others are not seeing the trend or not following the trend. So that that's an opportunity, yes. Exactly, and I think that's the reason we have uh, some books like the Micro Trend. And interestingly, uh, uh, I've recently read about uh, some, you know, in, in the technology area again. Uh, uh, I don't know whether they use this or not, but providing the trends on certain uh, physical domains. Mm. Okay. 
Um, so I, I want to uh, sort of summarize, uh, uh, or rather a summary question is what I want to ask. So uh, here I am at a, I know what is Triz, I've uh, sort of applied it and I know a little bit, I know people who use it, I know whom to contact. Uh, but is there a recommended uh, sort of uh, step one, step two, step three, step four for uh, for trees as such? Uh, uh, what what would that be if there were a recommended uh, you know set of steps to follow? Well, I can give you a several different menus because mm. I have worked with people who do a complete thorough training before they try to use trees. Mm -hmm. And when they are doing that, one of the things they discover is they don't have to wait until they have finished their training. Mm. As soon as they start learning anything about trees, they will start using it. So clearly, since I am a consultant and trainer, one thing I ought to say is take a thorough training course but while you're taking the course, start applying trees to your own problems. Don't think that there's going to be some magic day when you are suddenly a trees expert and it will be easy. But you should start using it as soon as you start learning it. Now, there are lots of other things you can do because there are people who either don't have the money or the time for a thorough training course. There is online training where you can do it at your own speed. There is old-fashioned training called Get a Book, <laughs> some of which you pay for, some of which you can get from a library, some of which are online. So yeah. my, my big recommendation about how to get started is get started. <laughs> because as soon as you learn the first thing about trees in some places it would be ideality. Other courses start with contradictions. Other courses start with function analysis. The first thing you learn is going to give you some results. And uh, the people who are listening who haven't tried it yet or who have heard other people talk about how many hundreds of hours of study it took, I'm going to tell you don't believe them. <laughs> In the first two hours you will learn things you can use. And if you actually do use them, then you will be motivated to take the next two hours and the next two hours. If you don't get any results for hundreds and hundreds of hours, you would have to be an incredibly patient person to keep going back for more. <laughs> Is there anybody online who didn't do a combination of all of those things, of take courses, do things online, buy a book, but really the answer is try your own problems? Yeah. Mm. I, I, I'm going to suggest, uh, I mean, uh, pick out an example that I read somewhere is that it, this is like buying a treadmill and using it. So you buy a treadmill uh, hoping that you would do an exercise, but it's sitting there in the corner uh, staring at you every time that you want to get fitter. So, so buying a treadmill doesn't necessarily mean you're fit. You have to actually use it. My friend Ralph says you can't learn to swim by reading a book about <laughs> <laughs> no, I think I think uh, you're absolutely right. Not just in this area, mostly uh, any you know creative thinking or whatever lateral thing that is advertised one of unless you actually start.
start using it, think about our own problems. I think uh, we are nowhere close to, any, to, to uh, even call us, forget about being an expert, but say that I know that. I think, yes, all of us are really, you know, really come here by reading and uh, reading and talking and listening, and but I think more than that, by experiencing ours. I want to say something for people in the audience who are uh, worried about this, where they're thinking, uh, it can't be that easy that I should just, you know, read something online or read a book and try it. Uh, one of the delightful things about trees is that you're trying to learn creative problem solving. So what happens if you do it wrong? Because so much of our uncreative education has been focused on learn how to do things right. Mm -hmm. So people worry about doing it wrong. Well, the good thing about trees is if you do it wrong, the worst thing that happens is you get an ordinary idea instead of a creative idea. <laughs> well, an ordinary idea is still a good thing to have. Mm-hmm. So there is no risk yep. to trying trees, even with a small amount of training, because you're going to get something. And if you get a little tiny bit, that will be enough that you learn from that so that you get more the next time. I would not say this if we were talking about, you know, training on uh, how to handle poisonous materials or something. Mm. You know, I would want you to take a thorough and complete course and an exam and everything else and be sure you do it absolutely right. Mm -hmm. But creative thinking isn't like that. Creative thinking is about getting new ideas. And a few ideas are better than no ideas. Yep. Beginner ideas are better than no ideas. Once you have beginner ideas, you can get intermediate and advanced ideas. <laughs> Actually, in uh, some sessions, uh, I've had uh, some workshops, I've had uh, people uh, come up with ideas and then justify it with uh, inventive principle. I tell them, good, because now we are aware of what principles you use naturally and what you need to apply uh, other, uh, you know, other than the principles that come to you naturally. Uh, you know, there are 35 other ways to uh, invent. So it's sort of a self-awareness if you can... Uh, come up with these ordinary ideas, but if you're able to reverse engineer and find out which inventive principle actually led to that idea, you have a good thing going. Oh, I think that's excellent because yeah, it shows them. It shows them the trees is not this strange outside thing. Trees is something they've already been doing. They just didn't know it had a name. Yeah. Exactly, and and the other good thing about you know even if it's ordinary ideas and the. If you have five ordinary ideas, I think you combine all together and you get probably the one best idea. So, you know, you can use this for that purpose. So it, even the ordinary ideas are really powerful ideas if you have more ordinary ideas. <laughs> yep, that's true. Um, any f final uh, comments, um, uh, Murli? You haven't said something. No, I mean, I, I didn't have a question. I was just enjoying what, what you guys said. Uh, you know, bringing forth. I mean, today's session, I mean, I felt, you know, we have covered a lot of ground with respect to talking about internal consultants versus external consultants, um, whether um, 
you know the existing tools and optimization versus the fresh tools uh, we also talked about how do we actually look at the evolution and the time dimension around it and then we talked about specific examples around you know how this uneven you know evolution actually happens we talked about how do you start for example that was the last part and very interesting and you know you learn by doing it so that that's the sort of summary that that i have learned from today is, is that just start start doing it and it's a complete safe trail you know you cannot go wrong ultimately you will probably end up with a bunch of ideas that you anyway had but you cannot go wrong so that that's the best thing about this and you know the recommendation for audience is that buy a book start reading start doing so that's the thing that that Summary comment that I have. Excellent. So, uh, thanks everyone, uh, Prakash, Ellen, and uh, Murli for joining in, uh, uh, and uh, thanks for listening, audience. Um, thanks everybody. Thank you. Thank, thank you thank for you making it so easy. Good night. Good night. Good night. Yep. Good night. Yep. Bye.